This is Larry Weissin, and you're listening to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Welcome to Outdoor Adventures with Jason. Each week, I bring the world of hunting, fishing, and conservation to you. From the great hunting and fishing opportunities found in the Americas to the dream safaris located on the dark continent beyond. I'll introduce you to those who are already out in the field living every outdoor enthusiast's dream, as well as outfitters and gear manufacturers that can make those dreams your reality. Killin' Sticks Arrows are for the serious hunter, a company that understands the needs of the outdoorsman and provides five different styles of carbon fiber arrows, ranging from hunting to tournament arrows. If you want premium carbon fiber arrows, go to Killin' Sticks, K-I-L-L-N-S-T-I-X.com to review their carbon arrows. For listeners of the Outdoor Adventures with Jason show, use promo code OUTDOORS to get 10% off your first order. Killin' Sticks, where the blood trail begins. Welcome to this week's episode of Outdoor Adventures with Jason. I'm really excited because today I have Cody Rich on, and Cody has his own podcast, so this is kind of fun to interview another podcaster, uh, and has just one of the hats he wears. He's got the Rich Outdoors podcast. Cody, how are you doing? Pretty good about yourself, Jason. Great. I appreciate you coming on, and uh, you've got such a great background in big western big game hunting and just a number of other items i think it's really great for the listeners to hear from somebody else that's got a podcast and a number of other businesses that they do to just increase their knowledge of what they're looking to to get into i want to start this off a little bit with seeing if you'll tell me a little bit about yourself how you got into hunting and just the cody rich story (laughs) the cody rich story well i'm terrible like as a podcast host i'm terrible about talking about myself but I'll do the best that I can. You know, I um, I started hunting very early. I, uh, you know, I like to say I could hunt before I could walk. I think my dad used to carry us around in the backpack before we could ever really walk because I had two working parents. And so and if my dad wanted to hunt, pretty much kids had to go with him. So as long as I can remember, we were hunting. And uh, I remember... You know, my dad was a big elk hunter. He loved the elk hunt. We'd deer hunt around the house and things. You know, elk hunting was kind of his thing growing up. And, and so that was the one hunt we could never go on. And so I think that's, you know, just longing to go elk hunting. We had to be nine years old before we could go on an elk, on an elk hunt. And so that's probably what, you know, stuck with me the most or why I'm so obsessed with elk hunting in particular. I, you know, I love hunting everything under the sun and always seeking the next, next adventure. But I think elk hunting kind of always held a special place in my heart because that's what I started doing young and you know my first elk hunt nine years old and got to go along with dad and had an awesome experience and and got into you know elk the very first day I'll never forget that yeah so that's kind of where I got started and from there it's it's turned into a full-blown obsession I guess because I've spent a number of years just kind of traveling all over doing a ton of different hunts now you both rifle and bow hunt correct Correct. Yeah, I got into, um, you know, my dad actually never bow hunted, ironically, and, and we got into archery. My brother and I got into archery as kids, and, um, you know, all my cousins bow hunted, and so I remember when they started bow hunting, you know, that's what I wanted to do. As a, as a kid, you always want to be like your cousins. They, they bow hunted for elk and rifle hunted for deer just because of the rut. Um, you know, better seasons. And, you know, I remember my dad thinking that was the, the silliest thing in the world that you couldn't really bow hunt elk. You know, from there, basically, started hunting with my cousins at a very, very young age and bow hunted elk most of my life. And, you know, like I said, I was I was always into to rifle hunting for deer just because that was when our rut was, better seasons. And, you know, naturally, I, I still had this, this longing for kind of old school guns and, 
and I've always been a huge fan of westerns and lever guns and things like that. So naturally, over the years, it's kind of transitioned, and I've I've done quite a bit of old school lever gun hunting. Still carry my bow every September, and so I, I mix it up. You know, it's all about how many seasons I can get in. The more weapons I have, whether it's a muzzleloader, it's a rifle, or it's a bow, you know, I'm just trying to maximize my days in the field. Really. Let me ask first about muzzle loading. Uh, are you using a modern muzzle loader or using a reproduction of an old style muzzle loader? You know, I've used both. Um, I do have a Hawkins that's what they would consider like an old school traditional muzzle loader. Um, but I also, you know, run CVA and, and uh, have the new school stuff. It kind of depends on the hunt. Um, you know, if I'm going, if I'm going on a muzzle loader elk hunt, uh, you know, sometimes I'll go up to Washington and do that. You know, I'm probably going to run the, the newer school stuff just because that, that hunt's quite a bit of a challenge anyway. There's a whitetail hunt that we do in, in Oregon. And, you know, I think last year I ran my Hawkins a little bit just for fun. Um, and so, it, again, it kind of varies between the hunts and I guess what I'm feeling the day that I go out. If you've already got a hard hunt where there's going to be a lot of physical activity, you can take the CVA with to not make it impossible on yourself. <laughs> exactly. You know, maybe... I, I'm a glutton for punishment, but not that much. You know, I feel like to have some success. <laughs> uh, and the Hawken that you, is it a 50 cal? Yep. Yeah. I'm, both of them are on the, just a 50 cal, uh, mainly because, you know, I, if I'm going to buy a muzzleloader, it's probably going to be a, a dual purpose elk deer gun. And so, you know, 50 cal is a great caliber for them. Like on the old school, the Hawken, do you run more of a traditional scope on that or is it really open sights that you're using? Uh, it's all open sites. We uh, in or like up in the northwest, the rules are a little bit stringent on the muzzleloader. You know, a lot of places muzzleloaders can have a lot of these new fancy technologies, but um, up in Oregon, Washington, Idaho, they're still fairly traditional. You can't have any scopes, anything. You have to have open breach, and so yeah, everything's kind of got to be pretty traditional from really? that aspect. Even on the more yeah. modern style ones. Yeah, I mean, even I mean, even my CVA, it's a it's a special Northwest edition. Um, because it has to have that open ignition system, and it can't have any scopes. I mean, I think we just recently got it to where we can have the the open sights, but they have the illuminated beads or whatever. I mean, for I mean years, it's just been traditional, you know, open sight only, open ignition system, things like that. So it is already a challenge, which is not that far off from being like a traditional Hawkins style muzzleloader. And so the, the Hawkins. I guess the CVA has a little bit more range, and so if I'm going to go on an elk hunt where I may only get one opportunity, I tend to like to to be successful, so I'll take the CVA. But you know, the Hawkins is fun to take, and it's last year I was on a whitetail hunt, you know, in a blizzard, and I had the Hawkins, and it felt pretty cool to be hiking around with the old Hawkins in my hand until I uh, pulled up on a deer at a misfire, and I thought, dang it, I should have brought the CVA. <laughs> it's all fun and games until it's a missed opportunity. Now, have you taken? Because I know. If anybody goes out to your Instagram page, they'll see just a number of different animals that you've been able to harvest. Have you taken a bear yet with your muzzleloader? You know, I have not. Interesting. I've, you know, our bear season out in Oregon is just spring bear. And for the most part, we don't have a segmented weapons type hunt. We have basically one hunt and you're allowed to choose what you want. And a lot of the times that I'm using a muzzleloader, or a bow, or whatever it may be, it's it's the season dates are better, or you know it's more rut. So you know, I, I kind of choose weapons based on what the season dates are. Having said that, 
you know, I, I use a little bit of everything just to try to get in the woods more. But with the bear, it's kind of one season. Um, this last year, I did take my, my sharps. I'm a big fan of the uh, the old 4570 sharps. And so I, I was packing that around this year for bear. I really wanted to get my bear the, uh, with the sharps and uh, open sights, but I was unfo- unable to do so. Um, and, you know, I, I packed around, had a lot of fun. I did miss a bear this year with my sharps, um, so I did get the opportunity. Then um, when the opportunity arrived at a uh, very, very large bear, and he was just out of my comfort range with the sharps, I, I decided to get the 300 wind mag. And I had no problem doing that. I, you know, it was, it was a fun hunt to do with the sharps, but at the end of the day, when there's a, a good bear in the, in the sights, you got to do what you got to do, I guess. Talk about increasing your range, going from mm-hmm. a sharps 4570 to a 300. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, I'm really proficient, or I like to say I'm pretty proficient. I didn't miss this year, so um, anything can happen, you know, but I, I shoot quite a bit of sharps, and uh, so I like to consider, you know, my my effective regard. I want that first shot to be in 300 yards, which seems like a long ways. You know, out west, our shots are naturally a little bit farther. Um, I like my shot to, first shot to be at 300, but I, I would consider myself very proficient out to 500 with sharps. Um, that bear stepped out, you know, and we kind of made the play on him, thinking that we could get to that 150 200 range and of course you know the best of plans go awry at first contact and by the time we got down there and and we couldn't turn him up and all of a sudden he popped up he was at 372 and kind of going away so it was kind of like a had about 10 seconds to make the decision and decided that um i wasn't going to take the 372 yard shot with the uh with sharps and just switch and is that the bear that we see uh you posing with on instagram and and the one that's in the yeti cooler uh yeah that's uh the most recent that's the one we took uh this this spring yeah yeah that's a big bear i I don't blame you in the slightest bit (laughs) yeah can't let can't let them all get away i do a good enough job letting a few get away there you go now with bow hunting that seems to be your real passion for bow hunting elk. Yeah. When you get out there, tell me a, tell me a little bit about the setup that you're using and uh, kind of any type of prep you do before you head out in the on the mountains to hunt those things. You know, that's a, the one thing I do love about bow hunting is it, it becomes an obsession, but it kind of needs to be. And I think in the preseason, that's that's what I love is is how much obsession it takes between practice. You know, like most guys, you know, I grew up shooting rifle hunting a lot, and and uh, you know, you go sight in your rifle before the hunt, and that's about it. Where you know, with with bow hunting, you know, we're already shooting. You know, I start shooting in the springtime, and and I'm shooting every day. You know, through the through the summer, and just honing that skill and honing that muscle memory and and getting everything prepped to be just perfect and staying in shape and all these things that go along with it. And I think that's what adds to the ball hunting aspect is it, it just takes so much more work um, to, to make those opportunities happen or to be able to capitalize on those opportunities that when it does happen, you know, the success just feels that much greater. There's just something about, you know, putting in four or five months of preparation that go into that. And then, you know, there's the years where you don't and you spend four or five months. And, and I think those are good to humble yourself every once in a while. You know, last bow season, I didn't take an elk and it was the first time in quite a few years. 
um, that I hadn't, and it really humbled me, and it was it was uh, it made me really really hungry for this year. So I think this year's preparation has been all about you know just getting gear super fine tuned, getting areas super fine tuned, just doing a, a lot of research into where I'm going, and so spending hours behind Google Earth and <laughs> and you know the go hunts and the Onyx map things, and and just scouting all the online stuff you can. Um, and that's kind of the the thing about you know today's day and age is that we hunt so far from home and it's not like we just go in our backyard anymore but at the same time we have this capability to basically see everything technology is crazy with what we can kind of scout just from our fingertips and the internet connection yeah it really gives you the ability with uh the thing like onyx and google maps to really delve Mm -hmm. down and understand kind of the lay of the land and get an idea of Mm -hmm. where you want to start where you want to end you're not out there wandering around and becoming a lost where you're wasting most of your hunt just trying to find a good spot. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I remember back in the old days, and I, I wouldn't know anything about an area. I would just pick a spot on a map, and I would, you know, kind of go over maps the best I could. But, but I would spend the first day or two or three just literally covering as much ground and just a pickup, just covering roads and trying to figure out what was what where because all you had to go off was was a map that you got from the forest service and and uh you know nowadays with google earth it's amazing and google earth and onyx i mean both you can literally see the detail of an area and get so much more in depth than versus just the old school you know topo maps where you saw brown and green and that represented trees (laughs) right bunch of little lines you know for the contours and and you hope for the best yeah yeah and who knows if that changed in the last 50 years that were exactly because I was going to say, and let's hope those roads showing on the Forest Service map are still there. Yeah. And with all that, the hunting, the fishing, the the different shooting styles and different weapons of choice, you jumped out there a few years ago and started the Rich Outdoors podcast, hosted by none other than you. And <laughs> yeah. Uh, for anybody that hasn't listened to it yet. You need to go out and check it out on iTunes or whatever, whether it be Stitcher or Overcast or any of the means that you do to listen to your podcast or go to the richoutdoors.net. If you're into most types of hunting, Cody's probably had somebody on that'll cover that. Tell us a little bit about the show. Yeah. Um, you know, I got super lucky in in the, the hunting podcast. It was kind of funny because I, I listened to podcasts for years, um, a lot of entrepreneur podcasts, a lot of marketing podcasts, just things like that. And I was just sucked into podcasts for years and it never really dawned on me that there wasn't a hunting podcast. And I remember, I specifically remember I was in Idaho, I think I was in Idaho and I was chasing this big boy I'd been chasing for years. And I remember just thinking, man, I wish I could just ask people how they do it. You know, there's so many great hunters out there. And it just felt like I had really kind of hit a, a dead end with, you know, in the magazines and the videos. And there was just, it was paper thin content. And it was like, oh, well, great. Just another magazine article. It really didn't tell me anything. And I just kind of reached this point where I was like, I, I need to just, wish I could just ask people how they did it. You know, ask Dan Evans how he does it. Ask Wayne Carlson how he does it. And then it kind of dawned on me, like, well, you know, maybe I can start a podcast. Maybe I'll be able to talk to some of these guys. And and really, that's where it started. And I really try to keep true to that is that I want to keep it what I'm interested in and you know, to maybe to a fault, but, you know, who I'm interested in talking to. And so it's all about asking the questions to become a better hunter. And uh, like I said, I started two years ago before this whole podcast thing was even a thing. And so I, I kind of got lucky in that aspect. And and I've been really fortunate. There's a lot of great guests that have, have really helped out and uh, offered up their time 
and to jump on the show and to share their experiences with people. And that's a, you know, the beautiful thing about podcasts. I, you know, I love the long form content where you can really dive into a subject and, and things just come up and, you know, in a magazine article is only so long. It's kind of the highlight reel anyway. And so I think there's little nuances that you pick up within podcasts, just listening to two people have a conversation that, that doesn't play out as well in, in other mediums. And so the podcast has been great and uh, absolutely love doing it. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, <laughs> even if, even if uh, nobody listened, I'd still do it because I love talking to these people and having conversations. And you know, I've learned so much from the podcast um, myself. And so that's kind of where I want to keep going with it is just to keep learning, I guess. Yeah, you've got, uh, what, about 130, 32 episodes, somewhere right in there? 131, it looks like? Yeah, it's crazy to think that we're 130 episodes into this. And, you know, this, uh, for, I guess, about the first year and a half or so, we, we didn't, you know, just one a week. And um, I remember that was that was, that was a busy schedule at one a week. And, and um, I remember in the very beginning, one of my friends asked me, well, aren't you going to run out of things to talk about? And uh, I, I remember thinking, I don't know, I, I guess, maybe, but I'll just keep talking to people. It's funny now because we've bumped to two a week and looking at bumping to three a week and I, purely because there's just too much to talk about, too much that interests me to, to limit it to one a week. It just wasn't enough. And so, you know, now we're looking at doing three a week and it, it's just, it's, it's fascinating. There's so many interesting people out there and you know, you start talking to, to people and say just within elk hunting, you know, I could talk elk hunting all day. And it's fascinating to look at like when you talk to different people that have different techniques or different stories and just different things that they do. Um, and that's gives me the opportunity to learn from so many people. And just I'm so fortunate to be able to talk about hunting with people who are far better than I am, you know, every week and, and get to just pick people's brain and see how they do it. And and, uh, you know, hopefully it makes me a better hunter at the end of the day, right? Yeah, and that's one of the neat things is if anybody goes out to iTunes to just scroll through the names and the episodes that you've got, with two years under your belt, you've amassed quite a library. Really, you could pretty much pick, as a listener coming in, any episode to start at and just start to ramp up your knowledge of bow hunting, uh, elk hunting, mule deer hunting, and then episodes where it's just out there to have a little fun and to cover as much ground as possible. So I, I can certainly understand from my aspect of doing the show how you have somebody on once and you're like, I didn't cover near what I hope to cover. And mm-hmm. unlike a magazine article, like you said, where it's shorthand, it's editor's version of what the writer wrote, you control the conversation at this point. Yeah, and it just gets, you know, one of those uh, podcasts is a great example of that is that uh, you know, I did an episode with Will Primos, and uh, one of Will's, Will's guys, he's a big listener of the podcast. He said, hey, you should have Will on. I said, I'd love to have Will on. It'd be awesome. You know, Will had agreed um, to do, you know, 20 or 30 minutes, and which was fine. I was more than happy to chat with him at, at any you know, any time frame. And so we jump on, and you get 20 minutes. And it kind of how it felt like, you know, that's what he said a million times before. And after about 20 minutes, you really start to, to see, you know, the, the real Mr. Primos come out. And, and we had a great conversation and it, it just goes so much farther than anything else. And actually when we got done, you know, we spent you know, over an hour chatting and, uh, when we got done, the, the gentleman that had introduced me to Will and, and had worked for him for 20 some years, he, he messaged me and said, he goes, wow, you know, 
I've uh, worked for Will for over 20 years, and there are stories in that podcast that I'd never heard before. And that's just what I love about podcasts is we kind of just get into a natural conversation and, and it goes so much deeper than any other platform, say, you know, writing a, a magazine article or even, you know, the umpteen, 17, I think, DVDs that, that Will has produced. Yeah, you can really start to draw stuff out of people. It just becomes a conversation about hunting. It's not like sitting in a recording studio and you got handlers looking at their watches trying to get people out and moved around. <laughs> you know, they just they can do it at their leisure however they best see fit. Yeah, exactly. Well, on top of the podcast and upping it to potentially 3 a week is amazing. You also have a cartridge company, Powder River Cartridges. Yeah, yeah. So if I wasn't busy enough with uh, the hunting thing, yeah, you know that's kind of like a, that's been my um, my company for a number of years. It started way way back in the day. I had an old the guy I was working for. Um, he actually started an ammo company. Um, we were doing a lot of military training, and um, we had this this ammo company on the side. And you know, I remember thinking, I, I don't know, we had I'd listened to some book or something, and and wanted to, to kind of do this thing. And so we, we had talked to a few people and we started doing the Western cartridges. I mean, it was kind of, I was into old West guns and things like that. So we started doing Western cartridges. And so I kind of helped move the company to just doing these Western cartridges. And it was kind of still just a side project that we had for a couple of years because we were doing a lot of training uh, training projects. You know, I think it was probably 2012 and we were getting out of the training business, and and uh, he was wanting to kind of sell the company, and so I said, "Well, I'll I'll just buy it, you know, I'll I'll make it work." And um, so in 2012, I kind of went full time with the ammo company. It'd been something I've been working on for a couple of years, but um, went full time in 2012, and um, it's been great. It's uh, you know, it's been a journey for sure, and it's been a lot of fun the highs and lows in the ammo industry. But you know, I think it's uh, it's kind of cool to to be around so many great people. You know, a lot of our customers are old ranchers that have as much appreciation for old school guns as I do. And so half the time I just sit on the phone talking about old guns. Um, and so, you know, like that's kind of where our focus has always been. Our, our Instagram, Instagram has been huge for us on our, on growing our powder river cartridge company. And, um, it just, you know, get, getting to connect with people about old guns is kind of the best part about, you know, having a, a company that focuses around that. Now, with the Powder River Cartridge Company, you've got these number of different rounds you make, many for lever-action guns. Is this ammo only available through the website, or do you ship to different stores as well? No, we um, manufacture direct, so we kind of manu- we manufacture everything, and then it ships all over the country just from internet sales. And that's kind of the the thing about some of these cartridges is, you know, 4440 is probably not in every gun shop across the country, and so. If you want a high quality 4440 round or a uh, 45 Colt round or something like that, it's pretty tough to find. And so, you know, being able to just order it on the internet and have it shipped right to your house is pretty convenient for a lot of folks. You know, a lot of our customers are guys that live in Texas out in the middle of nowhere. You know, they don't have a gun shop right down the road. And, you know, so it, it kind of gives us the ability to send some high quality rounds that, that are kind of caliber, I guess, genre specific or gun specific that don't get carried in a lot of the parts of this country. So um, that's kind of where our focus has been. We do a lot with the cowboy action shooting. Um, we've been in, you know, doing the cowboy action stuff for, for a number of years. And, and more recently, it's kind of become popular with, with, with the hunting crowd. You know, Ohio passed the, uh, the law that basically allowed them to use 
the straight wall cartridges. And so the 4570 has become super popular and, and um, for hunting. And it's a great round for that. And it's a lot of fun to, to take out hunting. And so that we've kind of moved from that, from just doing the cowboy action stuff to, to be able to provide some hunting rounds for those guys that want to hunt with a 4570. And, and naturally, you know, as a big hunter and a big um, old school gun guy, like I just picked up the same thread and decided that I'd start hunting with a 4570 as well. And so I've been doing a little bit of that and it's been a lot of fun you know last year i was able to go on on a pack in horseback elk hunt with my with my sharps was able to take a nice bull with my sharps and that was a pretty special moment you know i've you know been a huge fan of the sharps and really hadn't even thought about hunting with it and then you know a year or two ago it was like hey you know this is something i want to do and so then basically set out and and uh got it done and so it was it was it felt really good to kind of be able to check that off the box you know i I think it might have uh sparked more obsession than anything else but you know now i just want to do it again so we'll see we'll see if uh the future uh, brings as much success with the old school gun. Now, with these cartridges, can somebody contact you, Cody, and say they want something a little bit different on the 4440 or a 44 Special, and you can work with them to custom pack rounds, or are they just a standard pack? They're pretty standard. We don't do a lot of custom order stuff. Uh, we're just, it's so busy with everything else that anything custom gets pretty tough. You know, but we have done that in the past where if I get enough uh, request for something. I mean, the 4440 jacketed the hollow point. That was something that stemmed out of you know just me getting enough request for for a, a hollow point hunting 4440. You know, and, and I had never even thought about you know hunting with a 4440. And so when I get enough requests for someone to to have a hunting round for a 4440, I thought okay, sounds good. And so you know essentially I I did what I could to uh, to build the best round that I thought would be great for that. And then. Ended up actually going on a pig hunt out in California and testing it out and was uh, happy with the product. And um, and so then we kind of developed this jacketed hollow point for the 4440. And, and now guys, you know, love it. I get, you know, emails from guys that took their white-tailed deer with their 4440. And, you know, that's kind of a cool feeling to be like this, you know, someone else is as interested in hunting with old school guns as I am. In southeastern Michigan, where I grew up, it was shotgun only due to, you know, the proximity of other houses and and things. Mm -hmm. So you could use uh, different types of shotguns for deer season. They recently, I think it was last year, year before, as you mentioned about Ohio, passed a straight wall rifle cartridge uh, law. And so that I know has been picking up a lot of steam in that area. Yeah, which is a huge advantage. I mean, you talk about using a shotgun versus 4570. It really helps out with the distance. And it makes sense. I mean, it it makes sense that if you're going to not allow, you know, a 300 wind mag or something that can go so far, whereas a 4570 which can still shoot a long ways, but yet doesn't it doesn't have the speed and velocity to carry. You know, if you shoot shoot over a deer, it's not going to go five miles in a straight line. And um, where you have that risk of you know so, so many houses and and just the the public around close vicinity to where you're hunting. Yeah, it gives somebody a little bit possible more knockdown power on a deer at a little mm-hmm. bit longer distances across the farm fields. So it's yeah. been a fairly popular item, and the name escapes me, but a gun store over where I grew up in the Thumb of Michigan actually had Ruger design a special gun for them, which has started to catch on with a little bit of fanfare. So uh, it's, it's nothing but good for your business as the states come to <laughs> come to realization with this and and allow the hunters to to do this and yeah it's amazing to me that some of these rules that still exist uh, across the country for as far as hunting regulation you've got your podcasts Mm -hmm. you've got the ammo company i'm going to jump around here a little bit just to 
give people kind of a background on podcasting and everything. Do you do all your production yourself? Um, yes, I actually, we well, I have done it for the last two years, done everything myself. And just recently picked up, a friend of mine started helping me out just as we went to, to two and possibly three a week. It was just a lot to, to edit and to go through. So yeah, I, I had been doing everything from web design to editing the podcast and, and doing everything myself to finally getting someone to help me. But yeah, it's, as I'm sure you know, it's, it's quite the production. A lot of late nights and on the computer trying to edit podcasts and things like that but um it was a lot of fun you know i've you know i'm i'm glad i have a little bit of help now as we try to move to three a week i don't know if i could do that and keep up with the company on the on the other side but um but yeah it's been uh, pretty much all me up until the last few weeks or so it can be a lot of fun but i can see as you're moving forward and increasing the number you definitely want some help yeah and that's why you know originally i launched it one a week you know i just kind of want to play around with it but doing more than one a week man that would have been tough can you think back i mean you've had so many great guests is there any one guest on that show that's been kind of an aha moment for you like the one that really brought something neat to the either the continuation of the show or to hunting just that one big standout moment you know i get that question a lot um or you know what's the best place to start and it's so different for so many people the interesting thing about you know doing a podcast is i would i would do a podcast and i would think that this is the best one i've ever done and you know it wouldn't be that great or I would think a podcast was terrible and I'd get 10 emails on how it was the best podcast I'd ever done. And so it, it's so different to so many people. Um, I mean, you just a certain show could just touch a person the right way. And, and that was what, you know, they needed to hear. I, I do think, you know, I'd already touched on the Will Primos one. It was a big one for me. I, I really thought that was kind of like, a, it was just a great and just a great conversation, whether it was recorded or not. I'm really glad it was recorded and someone else could listen to it. Um, but you know, there's, there's been a few over the years that kind of, you know, Steve Ackland, uh, he has an outdoor show and, um, him and I had a great conversation and I, I've gotten so many emails about that and it just, it, it wasn't really planned at all. It kind of just went where it went. And from there it became a great show. And I, I think, you know, the overarching theme that I found is that I can plan and map out a podcast and, basically try to uh, try to guess where I think it should go but the best podcasts have been the ones that kind of took a left turn and went down a rabbit hole for for an hour and and not been what I thought I was going to talk about and I mean like, that's just kind of life you know it's like you gotta basically roll with the punches whether it be the Steve Eklund one where I think we talked more about mindset than we did about hunting in Canada it just it was, it was you know very impactful to a lot of people and and sometimes you just kind of got to go roll with the punches and go down the rabbit holes and see where they go. Again, for any of the listeners out there, head over to any of the means that you do to download podcasts, just picking out names in, in no particular order. You've got, you know, the Will Primos episode. That's episode number 70, if anybody wants to find it real quick. Wayne Carlton, that's an episode that's on my to listen to when I'm driving up to Michigan here next week. Mountain Ops guys, uh, Fred Eichler. And the list just goes on and on and on. Guy Eastman, you know, there's so many good names and good things in here to, you know, Remy Warren. Somebody can get in here and really spend some time uh, listening to just a number of really good sessions. You know, this is the, the quote-unquote slow time of hunting and the prep time. So get in here and listen to some of these guys and see what they're doing for prepping, you know, during the off season. You know, and the funny thing about the Wayne Carlton interview, 
kind of forgot about that one. But um, Wayne Carlton, I had a Wayne Carlton hunting DVD when I was a kid. And it was the only hunting show or DVD we had. And so it was kind of the first, you know, I remember watching that and being like, wow, this is amazing. You know, we had grown up, I had a bow shop down the road and, and um, they usually had some DVDs playing. But the, the Wayne Carlton one, my brother and I pretty much wore out um, <laughs> that old VHS that we watched over and over and over and over. I'm going to probably watch it a hundred times. And so Wayne Carlton had a special place in my life as far as, you know, kind of growing that desire for elk hunting or archery elk hunting. And, um, and so it was pretty cool to, to talk with, you know, someone that I looked up to for so many years, just chat with him on the podcast. And so, yeah, it's definitely one that I will cherish and, uh, and hopefully get to listen to again. And, you know, another one would be, you know, Roy Roth. Roy Roth is um, one of those guys that I just really looked up to growing up. And, and when I did the Roy Roth interview, I think it's episode five. I mean, he didn't have to do that. I mean, he didn't know, he didn't, didn't know what a podcast was and didn't know who I was or didn't know what it, you know, did for, for anyone. And so I really look at, you know, his ability to just kind of put everything aside and say, yeah, I'll help you out. That was big, you know, and that that showed a lot about his personality and who he was. And so I'm so fortunate that I got to do that. You know, unfortunately, Roy passed away about a year after I did the podcast. And so to me, that's always going to have a special place in my heart is, is being able to have that conversation with someone I looked up to for so many years. And just for him to take the time out of his day to, to talk to someone who he had no idea who I was or you know, what a, a podcast even was. Yeah, some of these guys have no idea who you are or even how to listen to it. And so yeah. when I do an episode with them, it's always kind of fun to to do that follow-up along. And usually I'll end up just sending them a link on the emails or send them to YouTube so they can listen. Keep it simple yeah. for some of them. Well, I mean, that's so many people. I mean, there's so many people that still listen to podcasts on, on YouTube and, and don't realize that that's, you know, that there's this whole other platform and and podcasts are this whole other thing that, you know, it's already on their phone. I, I don't know how many people I talk to, and it's kind of funny. They say, oh, well, how do I how do I do this whole podcast thing on your show? I'm like, well, it's already on your phone. You know, and show them kind of the app and, and the iTunes thing, and, and uh, they're like, oh, wow, I didn't didn't even realize. You know, I talk to people that, that only use it on YouTube, and, and that's kind of how they listen to their podcast, which is fine. You know, I, I don't do as good a job as I should have of making sure all my episodes are on YouTube. It's it's an interesting platform, and you know it's so new that that a lot of people are still kind of finding out about it. So um, it's cool to see people that that even now, you know, I get messages all the time that people are like, "Hey, I just finally got into this podcast thing. This is amazing. You know, this is so cool." Having just started my show, I was up at the Dallas Safari Club show this year, and I talked to a couple guys, and they're like, "Internet radio," and I said, "Close enough." <laughs> exactly. I said, "Let me see your phone," and I showed them the app. And I hit subscribe to my show. I says, now you're going to get it all the time. Showed them a few other things to look around. And I was, I'm fairly certain they spent a good chunk of the show going over, going, wow, I didn't even know all this was out here. <laughs> exactly. So now if somebody wants to listen further to your shows, they can do a search for you on iTunes or the other platforms that we mentioned. And I'll have links to them in to your website as well as your Instagram page in the show notes for this episode uh, but do you also did i see that do you have an app for your show yeah we actually we do have an app for the show so i mean if you um still kind of unfamiliar with the whole podcast thing just go to the app store you can find the rich outdoors um we have our app that has the ability the one thing i do like about the app is you can kind of set playlists if you're only into the elk you know episodes you can do that or 
or if you're only into to white-tailed deer, probably not a lot for you on my podcast, but you know, you could do that as well. So the app is, you know, originally the app was, we put the app in just because so many people didn't know what a podcast was. And so they just go to the app store and look for it. And so it was just kind of a way to, to make sure we're there for people that didn't understand that, that iTunes podcast is an app or Stitcher is an app and, you know, SoundCloud or whatever was the app that you listen to a podcast on. It's still kind of a confusing topic. Like you say, it's, you, know, you get people like, yep, internet radio, just, you know, go here. But um, so, yeah, we do have the app. Um, and if you completely confused about where the podcast um, listening device or listening app is, we have our own as well. Now, does that app for iTunes only, or do you have one for the Google platform, for the Android platform? Yep, we do have the Android, uh, the Google Play. It's, um, you know, any of your Android should be able to pick up the Rich Outdoors app as well. So listeners have no reason not to go out and find it. <laughs> this is true. You know, YouTube is probably the one we're lacking on the most. I know that doesn't have all the episodes up there. You know, I would say, you know, the Stitcher or Pod, Podcast Attic or Podbean is probably one of the popular ones right now. Seems to be growing in popularity as far as just usability for users. So I think, um, you know, Podbean is, is a great way to do it. You're just going to download an app for listening. And it gives you the ability to listen to, you know, all the podcasts, whereas the app's going to be, you know, just our podcast or just my podcast. And so um, if you get that in the Podcast Addict or the Podcast Meme uh, or Podbean, then you can listen to everyone. You've got over 100 episodes in. You're thinking about going to three-day or you're on your process of doing three a week what's next for the show where do you where do you see this going <laughs> you know everyone asks me that and i uh, i don't have a solid answer where where exactly we're going from here but i i think i look at the podcast as kind of my journey as a hunter and it's kind of it's the it's where i'm going you know and it's just me learning and and i just kind of sharing that with everyone and so i don't you know i don't know i guess you know i still want to keep doing what i'm doing and just keep going on new adventures and and learning about new hunts. And so I don't consider it an elk hunting podcast or a this hunting podcast. Um, you know, historically I haven't done a ton of mule deer hunting and this year I drew a, a good mule deer tag. And so inevitably that's why we're going to start a third show. It's just purely so I can learn more. And, you know, and as I grow as a hunter, I'm sure things will change. And so I, I don't consider myself an expert. I, I consider this more just me documenting my journey as a hunter to kind of get better and learn more and become more educated in the whole thing. Um, and so that's kind of where I see it going. And, and who knows where it'll be in, in two years or five years, maybe a podcast will completely go away in two years and I'll just be talking to myself still. But, um, <laughs> you know, it's kind of just a journey. You've got the ammunition company, What's the best way for somebody to get in touch with you, uh, Cody, if they want to talk more about the show, about ammunition, uh, or just hunting in general? What What's the best way to get in touch with you? Probably, um, well, either on my Instagram, you know, the Rich Outdoors uh, Instagram, the Rich Outdoors Podcast Instagram. Um, we have the Powder River Cartridge Instagram. So I'm still running three Instagrams. You can get a hold of me there. For as far as the podcast and hunting questions, we do have a Facebook group, the Rich Outdoors Podcast Facebook group, which is just super active, filled with uh, a lot of our guests and super knowledgeable folks about hunting. And so, you know, I always say that if you have questions about hunting, you want to get into hunting or 
questions about elk hunting, the uh, the Facebook group is a great place to do that just because it's not just me answering, you know, an email, which can take a week or two to get back to everyone. You know, you have hundreds of fellow listeners and a lot of the show guests on, on the Facebook group, they can answer those questions as well. Is that a invite-only group? It's a closed group, but anyone can join it. Um, I just try to close it to keep the non-hunters out. You know, just uh, basically hit the, the join the group and either on me or one of the administrators will let you guys in. And, and it's like I said, it's a ton of great information in there. I'm very appreciative of the time you've given uh, so that not only myself, but the listeners can get a better understanding of what you're up to. It's a neat story as how you've gone in the evolution of uh, your podcast. And it's always good to hear what others are doing, is my opinion. There's plenty for everybody and it's nothing but a learning experience. So I really mm-hmm. appreciate your time and uh, hope to uh, catch up more in the future. You know, we've got a mutual friend. Yeah, and uh, Jason's a great guy. Jason Price and the experience, man. He's a, such a great guy. Another great guest. You know, he's been on, I think, a couple of times now. And he's just been, you know, one of those guys that has just offered up a ton of time to me and the whole process of learning this all. So great dude. Can't say enough about Jason. Yeah, he's definitely been a lot of fun. So again, it's the Rich Outdoors podcast. TheRichOutdoors.net is how you find the website. I'll have links to it in the show notes. And Cody, again, I appreciate the time. It was a pleasure. All right. Well, thank you so much, Jason. It's an honor to be on. Honor's all on this side of the table. And I know it's early for you out there. So again, I can't thank you enough for uh, getting up and, and jumping right on and sounding so cheery so early in the morning. Hey, you know, that's what caffeine's for. Lots (laughs) of coffee. There you go. Well, thank you so much, and uh, we'll catch up again. I I look forward to hearing how your hunting season went and how everything goes with with Powder River Cartridge Company. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you, Jason. Have a great morning. (laughs) Thanks. Thank you. Early spring, it's getting green. Fisher on the bed, and hear those turkeys gobble. It's ringing in my head. The winter rides bass boat. Here comes another year. Yeah, we command the outdoors round here. Oh, we. Yeah, we command the outdoors Come summertime, we're feeling fine Fishing on the lake Flipping jigs and Carolina rigs From early morning till real late Bonfires on Creek Bank, kick back a couple beers. Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we command the outdoors. Next year's does until you know winter's on the way. Brushing blinds and deer stands. The fever starts to creep. Fill our freezers full of ducks, lots of tender deer. 
Yeah, we command the outdoors around here. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. Yeah, we, we command the outdoors. So grab your guns, shells, boys. Put on your camouflage Cause we command the outdoors around here We command the outdoors